0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from our Lessons from a Birth Sermon Series, which looks at the people and events surrounding the birth of Christ. We would love to hear if the sermon was an encouragement to you and how God used it in your life. Well, let's take our Bibles today. Let's go to Luke chapter number two this morning. Luke chapter two, and uh, we're going through a series. Uh, The series is just lessons from a birth, just different things that we can learn Uh, from the birth of Jesus Christ and uh, of course last week we took a look at Mary and Joseph and we were with Mary and Joseph and we learned about uh, their faith and about their humility and how God chose to use just a young uh, virgin girl probably about 14 or 15 years old and a young man Uh, who was in his mid-twenties, God used them to raise Jesus Christ. And we know, of course, probably the the tagline that Mary said was, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And uh, God, I'm trusting you. I don't get all of this, but I'm trusting you. And I have faith that what you're giving me is what you want for me. And man, what a great challenge for all of us. And a great challenge to understand that God is still asking believers to take steps of faith and just trust his word. And uh, there might be a decision this coming week that you're thinking, man, God, I couldn't do that. I couldn't talk to somebody about you. Or God, I can't take that step of faith and give or whatever the decision might be. And God's gonna say, I want you just to take that step. And you what God desires is for us just to trust him, taking that step of faith and say, okay, Lord, I don't understand it all, but I trust you. Well, as we come to Luke chapter 2 this morning, I know I don't need to ask this, but I'm going to. Have you ever noticed that as you get older, your energy level and excitement level decreases? Yeah. Some of you recycled teenagers are like, you got no idea, Pastor. None whatsoever. Some of you are like, what are you talking about? I'm still hyperactive. Yay. Go team, go. You know, uh, the truth is, as we get older, man, our energy level and excitement level just decreases. If you don't believe me, come to a Thursday night service here at Moses Lake Baptist. Here's why I say it. If you come to a Thursday night service, you'll know that on Thursday nights, we all start together. Everybody in the auditorium, kids and and adults alike, we're all together in here. And we spend some time singing together, worshiping the Lord, and then we uh, spend some time in prayer. And there always comes a point where I say, all right, Now it's time for the kids to be dismissed downstairs, discipleship upstairs, and the rest of us, let's open our Bibles too, and I'll say where we're going. You know what usually happens? As soon as I say, it's time for kids, they're like, yeah, woo, yeah, and they like run, and they're pushing each other over, and they're excited for kids class. I don't get that response with the adults. You know, I'm like, the rest of us, let's turn in our Bible, and I hear... pages turn oh. sometimes it's already <laughs> i'm not going to pick on you gordon but i'm not going to say that i'm just teasing i'm just teasing <coughs> gordon always teases me so i got to give him some every now and then you know what listen the truth is as we get older our energy level and our excitement it just decreases it just goes down i'm sorry gordon <laughs> he knew it was him. Listen, the truth is that regardless of your, I mean, I'm, I'm young still, and I know that, but even at 36 years old, I do not have the energy I had or the excitement I had at 18. I don't have the energy and excitement I had at 12 and 13, and thank God I don't have that brain anymore that just didn't think, you know. 13-year-olds uh, are just brain dead. It's, it's, it's a proven statistic. Your adult cells are killing off your kid's cells, and so you're just, existing. You know what? The fact is that we know that that happens physically, but here's the sad thing, is that there's a lot of Christians that they allow that to happen spiritually. You say allow what? A lot of Christians allow themselves to decrease in energy and excitement as their Christian life grows. See, just as we are physically, that when we are born, we're a baby and crying and we get old a little bit older, and you know, starting at about 12, 13, that energy and excitement level begins to decrease with a lot of people. They love God, they come to know God as Savior, and they're excited. Man, I'm on my way to heaven, and I've got God in my life, and I'm excited about Jesus and what he's done. But then as years go by. And they've known the Lord for two years, and three years, and five years, and 10 years, and 18 years, and 23 years. As that time goes by, that excitement level begins to decrease. That energy level of excitement about what God has done, it begins to kind of go down. And churches today are filled with people who used to get fired up and excited about God. They used to want to talk to people about the Lord. They used to love Christmas time. Man, I just can't wait to celebrate the birth of Christ. And they used to be excited about it. But as time's gone, there's a lot of believers that they just kind of sit back and go, well, ho-hum, just another day at church, another year. And what we're gonna discover this morning in Luke chapter number two is we're gonna be challenged today To not have the spirit of decrease in energy and excitement. Instead, to have the spirit that we see in the shepherds in Luke chapter number 2. And so I want you to stand with me if you would. Luke chapter 2 this morning. and We're going to read and then I'll give you a quick thought. And uh, and we'll pray and get in the message today. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 1. It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone, into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea. and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Notice verse number 20. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. A moment ago, I talked about the energy level of a child. Do you know how I know when you get older, your energy and excitement level goes away? Because I can't tell you how many times I've heard an adult, a grown adult, with a little kid running by, and they say this, boy, look at that energy. I wish I could just bottle that up. I wish I could bottle that up. Boy, I wish I could bottle some of that up and save it for later. Some of you are smiling and shaking your head because you've said that. Man, I wish I could take their energy and I wish I could bottle it up. This morning, what we're going to be challenged with is to take the energy of the shepherds, the spiritual excitement of the shepherds, and to bottle it up for this coming week. Man, take some of their excitement and let it flow through me this week because what the shepherds got excited about on that night that Jesus was born 2,000 years later, you and I can still get excited about. So let's pray, and then we'll get into our study this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, why don't you take a moment and just in the quietness of your own heart, commit the time to the Lord. You can pray something simple of, God, I commit this time to you, and I ask you that you would speak to my heart. And then make the commitment. Lord, if you speak to me, I'm listening to you. And I'll respond to you today, dear Lord. We come before you, and again we thank you for the Word of God. We thank you for uh, your truth in the Word and how it applies to us. And Lord, I pray that as we come into our preaching time this morning, that you would help us, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to hear from you. I pray that you'd help us to be sensitive to know what you're speaking to us about. Pray, Lord, that you'd capture our attention. And then, Lord, that we, just with humble hearts, would desire for you to speak to us. I do humble my heart before you, Lord, and and recognize that I have absolutely nothing to give except for your word this morning, and so I pray that you give it through me. We pray for the kids' class today, the nursery taking place. Pray that you just be glorified through our entire service. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You go ahead and be seated. As we come to Luke chapter number two, this would be, of course... uh, about nine months after what we read last week in Luke one, where the Lord came, or where the angel comes to Joseph, and then or uh, Mary, and then in Matthew one, where the angel comes to Joseph, we would be uh, nine months past that. And as you come to Luke chapter number two, we find ourselves traveling with Joseph and Mary from Nazareth, which would be up near the Galilee region, up northern Israel, all the way down to Bethlehem, just a few miles outside of Jerusalem. And as we would come, we know that uh, God had specifically said that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. This was something that you can go to scripture and find a prophecy given hundreds of years earlier, Matthew, or excuse me, Micah 5.2 where it says, but thou, Bethlehem, Ephrata, not Ephrata, for those of you that live there, uh, it says, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, uh, from of old, from everlasting. This is a prophecy that's given about the Messiah, that, hey, he's going to be born in Bethlehem. And so God would use a census. That's what we read about in Luke chapter number two, verse number one, when it says that there was a a taxing made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. This is a taxing by Caesar Augustus, a Roman taxing for everybody in under Roman jurisdiction would have to go back to the land or the city of their family's heritage, go back to the city of their family's heritage to pay a tax and to be counted. There was a census and a tax that would be going on, and so As we read in verse number one about that taxing and Caesar Augustus, that's what it's talking about. They go back, and of course, uh, Joseph is from the lineage of David, and Mary, Mary was also from the lineage of David. They had that, and so they would go back to Bethlehem, and it's there in Bethlehem that they would travel in probably late at night, They would go, and the custom would be that once you got into a town, you really could go and and find lodging anywhere. you just go and knock on a stranger's house. Hey, can you guys put us up? That's kind of the, the custom in that culture. But it says that they would go and they would find an inn. Now, the inns that we think about, the hotels and motels that we stay at, that's not what it's talking about. It would be something similar, but... An inn at this time would perhaps be something where you had a bunch of what we would title like motel rooms, but all of them would face one courtyard where someone could keep their animals and sometimes there would be doors and walls and sometimes there wouldn't be doors and walls. It would just kind of be like a little shed, if you will, and a a big shed like the, the building here that's just divided up into sections and maybe you could stay there, maybe you couldn't. Usually there was only probably three or four rooms. It was only big enough for just a few people. And so Joseph and Mary, they show up to this inn and they knock on the door. And, and you know the story. We read it there in verse number six and seven that they knock on the door and there's no room in the inn. And perhaps that innkeeper seeing Mary with great with child feels bad for her. I don't I don't want to turn them out. You know, it's a, probably a chilly night. This is probably sometime between March and June. This is that time frame, and so uh, probably a little bit of a colder night. I don't want to turn her out. Well, you know what, sir? I, I don't have much, but I have a stable. Now, we think of a stable as a barn. That's not what it's talking about. It would actually be a cave. This would be a carved-out cave uh, on the side of a hill where... This would be a stable. Livestock would be kept in there. The manger would actually be a cement feeding trough that would be hollowed out. and It's in this stable, in this cave on the side of a hill. Of course, it's not this one, just so you know, but something similar to this, where you find Mary and Joseph. And you find Mary giving birth to Jesus and wrapping him in swaddling clothes and laying him in a feeding trough. Well, while all of that's taking place, there's something else taking place, and we read about it in verses 8 through 20. I believe that during the birth of Jesus Christ, that they kind of correspond at the same times, that what is taking place in verse 6 and 7, verses 8 through, uh, or verse 8 through 15, is also taking place simultaneously at around, around the same time. And so I want you to take your Bibles with me and just notice some of the thoughts that we see as we come to Luke chapter two and verse number eight. As we open this up, I notice in verse number eight what I'm calling an uneventful existence. An uneventful existence. As we start out, we read about shepherds. And they're just, the Bible says, they were in the same country, so the same area, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, as we move from the actual birth of Jesus into the scene of the shepherds, we need to know that these shepherds, they lived the majority of the time in what we would refer to, they they would live a mundane or a monotonous and all-around uneventful life. While there would be the occasional predator that they'd have to fight off, for the majority of the time, research goes to show that shepherds, they would live just a life of routine a life of monotony they would spend days on end out in the pastures tending to their sheep they would spend nights in tents or makeshift tents or sometimes just sleeping under the stars and often their only companion was other sheep or if they happened to come across other shepherds that's where they would be and here they are just on the side of a hill right outside of bethlehem these hills we took this picture a couple years ago and I I was standing there in Bethlehem looking, thinking it could have been on that hill. It's just the hills in that countryside, and as we were going, you can see right there on the center of that one hill, right in the middle is a bunch of sheep, and there's a shepherd out there. We passed one shepherd and sheep, and the shepherd's sitting there on their phone. (laughs) No lie, holding the staff, just scrolling on the phone. Listen, they didn't have that. Now they, now the shepherd's not as bored. But back then, I mean, you look at the, you know why David wrote so many psalms? He was like, well, I'm gonna write something. Might as well write a praise to the Lord. And the thought is they had an, une- they had an uneventful existence. There's nothing going on for these shepherds. They are just kind of living a routine life. And I don't know about you, but I don't like monotony. I don't like mundane, monotonous thing. I don't like it. Now, I will keep the same schedule and I'll do some things that are similar. But listen, those of you that work in like a factory, I couldn't do it. Like, I, I don't know. I don't there's some here that you work in a factory, and that's you. Like, but it's not me. I'm too hyperactive. I gotta be doing something, you know, like craft time. I got kicked out of preschool. You can ask my parents, and I've told you this, but I I got asked not to come back to preschool after two days. They were like, Mr. and Mrs. Fountain, your son's so advanced. He doesn't need preschool. Yeah, no, they were like, Mr. and Mrs. Fountain, your holy terror of a child cannot sit still. He won't stop moving. He won't stop squirming. Everybody else is taking a nap, and he's spitting spit wads at them. Can't, we can't keep him anymore. Listen, I do not like the mundane monotony. I could not have been a shepherd. Because the shepherds, seriously, are just like sitting. For hours. It's like, hey, there's a mountain lion. Nope, it was a gopher. Like over. They had an uneventful life. You say, pastor, why are you pointing out this uneventful existence? Because in their uneventful existence, I find what I'm calling an unexpected event. What we find taking place in verse nine through verse 14 is something that the shepherds would never have dreamed in their entire lives. Notice what it says, verse number nine. It says, lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them and the glory of the Lord showed round about them and they were, what's the next two words? sore afraid. And that phrase, sore afraid, it means they were very, 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 very scared. That's what it means. They were extremely scared and alarmed. And the angel said unto them, what's the next two words? Fear not. Fear not. Next year in Christmas, we're doing a series called Fear, The Fear Nots of Christmas. And uh, it's all throughout the, the story of the Lord's birth. But It's a theme, why? Because angels are appearing to people. Think about that. If you're the shepherd, going through the mundane, like you've been, if I'm 36 years old as a shepherd, I've been doing it since I was like 14. And so for 22 years, 22 years of the same thing, And then all of a sudden, you're out on the pasture one night. Maybe you're watching the sheep. Maybe you're laying down. We know that there was a few of them together. Maybe they're just sitting by the fire, and they're like, hey, what's going on, man? I don't know. I'm bored out of my mind tonight. I wish a mountain lion would come along or something. And all of a sudden, (laughs) that phrase, the glory of the Lord, shone round about them. You know, I've always just kind of read it at face value, but this year I was like, what does that mean? Like, what does it mean the glory of the Lord shone round about them? You know what I find out? It literally means the glory of God shone round about them. So pastor, that really explains it. Yeah, I know, I looked up all the definitions. It's like they were there, and all of a sudden there's this giant light shining all about them. God's glory, it's like... You know, and after they woke back up from passing out, the angel says to them, "Fear not. Listen, this is an unexpected event. I mean, I I really doubt that any of them. You know, I mean, they're they're there that night and they're just sitting wondering, is this night going to do anything? I doubt that any of them were like, you know, today would be a really cool day if a light shone about us around about us from heaven." Like, that'd be kind of cool. Don't you guys think? They didn't like sit around the fire and talk about this. We don't find them, you know, I don't, I don't read about them maybe waking up that morning and thinking, you know, today, today something unexpected is gonna take place. They weren't expecting this. They weren't thinking, I wonder if this announcement's going to come to our lives. So number one, the unexpected event takes place, but then an unexpected announcement comes to them. I mean, these are shepherds. And here you have the angel appearing, and what does the angel give them? The angel gives them this announcement that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you that you'll find the babe uh, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, and you need to go to Bethlehem. This thing is taking place. Now you know what's super awesome about this? Is shepherd would be the least likely people that we would say, yes, God has come to the shepherds. You see, the shepherds in society, and I think I'll say this again in a second uh, to back up another thought, but the shepherds in society, they were seen as like the low end of the totem pole. Like they were seen, the shepherds—they're filthy. They stay out with the sheep, and and while they would be a part of the Jewish communities, they weren't accepted as part of the Jewish communities. And you know, the only events that shepherds would get invited to would be family events. And when people—it's almost like a Samaritan when shepherds would come, people kind of just kind of ignore them a little bit. Oh man, the stench is here. Oh, and and they didn't—they didn't care for shepherds. And history goes to show, and you can read uh, some historical writings to prove that shepherds were disliked. They were—they were. They were trusted, people believed shepherds, but they didn't like shepherds. And so here you have the angel coming. And what's the angel doing? He's making an announcement about the Messiah to shepherds. You know what the great thought is about that? That truly, when the angel says this is a good news for all people, the Lord meant it. Say, pastor, what are you getting at? Man, the Lord can save anybody. Man, God came for everybody. Don't let anybody tell you that God came for some and not for others. No, Jesus Christ came that all the world might be saved. And he who was king was born in a cave. And the announcement of the birth was not made to kings and princes and rulers. No, the announcement of the birth was made to lowly shepherds for us to understand that God, Emmanuel, with us came down to be born for us. And it's even in that phrase when they say, we bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David. There's three titles given. Savior, Christ, and Lord. You know what those three, three titles cover? All of humanity. Here's what it is. Savior, he is the God of the Gentiles. That's the word savior. Christ, he is the Messiah of the Jews. Lord, he is master over all. Man, the titles that are given to him, they cover, every, they cover all of humanity. It goes to Romans 1 through 6. Romans 1 through 6 shows us that God, the Father, sent Jesus to die for the wicked, the righteous, and everyone in between. Because everybody is lost for that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Uh, there, is none, there is none righteous, no, not one. Yea, all we like sheep have gone astray. Every one of us has turned into his own way. And the, the Lord hath laid upon us the iniquity, or laid upon him the iniquity, the sin of all of us. And so we have to go and we need to take note that this is an unexpected announcement that's been given. It's unexpected. And then to even cap it off, Verse number 14, or verse number 13, notice what it says. And suddenly there was, with the angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts. Okay, so now you don't have just one angel, Now you have a whole like multitude of them. I don't know about you, but I'd probably pass out again. <laughs> you know, like one is plenty with the with the, shown, with the glory of the Lord and the light about me and what's going on, and then, boom! There's a multitude. Well, how many is a multitude? It wasn't 10. It wasn't 20. I believe a multitude, in personal opinion, I believe you're looking up at hundreds of beings. Hundreds, thousands even. I mean, I would venture to say a heavenly host. This is literally maybe every angel there is. I don't know it says there's a multitude of angels it's like Luke who's writing this is like I can't even describe to you the number of angels that were there and they're all saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men man no wonder the first words out of the one angel's mouth were fear not (laughs) hey something's about to happen don't get alarmed by all this you know, some people think that verse 14 was sung. Glory to God in the high, the angels sang it. Ah, man, wouldn't that be awesome? I say this often, but I wanna get to heaven and like, God, can I have an IMAX theater in heaven to go back and watch historical events from the Bible? And I wanna be like, just put me in one of the places of the shepherds that night. Man, blown away. We who are lowly, we who are nothing And yet this message of peace, this message of joy, this message of a Messiah that had come and would change the entire uh, makeup of the world, the announcements made to the shepherds. Man, it was an announcement for all the world, an announcement that a Savior had been been born One man said it this way, the announcement was that the Savior had been born. It was not that God had sent a soldier or a judge or a reformer, but that he had sent a Savior to meet man's greatest need. It was a message of peace to a world that had known much war. It was a message of joy. The Messiah had come and now the world could rejoice. Man, what a great thought. And it's all to the shepherds. No wonder we would call it an unexpected announcement. Man, an unexpected event. Wow. Well, the angels are gone in verse number 15, and notice what we find next is what we see is an undistracted eagerness. An undistracted eagerness. Look with me in verse number 15 and 16. It says, and it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing. That phrase, this thing, uh, it just means let's, let's see the exciting news that's just been given to us. Man, something's going on. Let's go check it out. Which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with, what's the next word? Haste. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. When the angels were gone, we discovered that the shepherds, they were eager, they were excited to go and to see this miraculous birth. And I want you to notice that nothing would stop them from being in the presence of Jesus that night. They made haste to go and meet with Jesus and nothing was going to stop them from that. They, they got up and they were perhaps, you know, sitting, standing there and maybe one of them was like, man, you guys believe that? No, that was was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Man, I know. Can you believe the news? And maybe someone's there and says, what are we still doing standing here? Man, let's go. Let's go see this thing which the Lord has made known unto us. Man, God did this for a purpose. What are we doing here? Let's, Let's get up. Let's go. And someone's like, well, what about the sheep? Man, who cares about the sheep? Man, that was an angel. The sheep will be fine. Look, they're all still passed out too. I do wonder about the sheep. Sheep are some of the most timid, afraid animals, you know. Now my curiosity is just going. Like, I wonder if God put a sleep over them or something. Like yeah, they dropped dead. You know? We're having lamb chops tomorrow. Sorry, that was bad. Yeah, but here they are. Here they are. And you know what stopped them from going to meet with Jesus? Nothing. Man, listen, nothing was going to hinder them being in the presence of the Messiah. That's some excitement, that's some eagerness. I just wanna ask you a question today, and it's just a simple thought, but I wonder this morning, what stops you or distracts you from being in the presence of God? What is it that, keeps you in Tuesday morning from getting up and spending some time with the Lord? Man, what is it that stops you? Listen, what is it that stops you from being at a service with your whole heart? Worshiping the Lord. Can I tell you right now that one of the best parts of a service is the music, Why? Because we can join together and worship him. Some of you say, well, pastor, I don't have a very good voice. That's why the Bible says to put out a noise, a joyful noise. It doesn't say put out a melodious sound. It says give God a joyful noise. But yet, you know what's happening? Some of you are like, pastor, don't go here. You're getting on, this is my area. I'm not trying to be mean to anybody, but you know what we get in services sometimes? The song service comes and we're singing Adore, and we have people going, I wonder what the score is. Watch the highlights. People, music's going, and we just twiddling our thumbs, sitting on the phone, stand. Some, they're going, Adore, come at us, adore. <sighs> you say, pastor, does that really happen? One of these Sundays, be like, hey, Micah, could I be an ensemble? I'm not even gonna sing. I just wanna hold a mic and watch people. I joked years ago that I'm gonna hide a camera up front and then show it someday of what everybody looks like when we sing. Now, listen, I praise the Lord, I think we have a singing church. We really do, we've got a lot of people that are engaged and uh, I can't tell you, um, man, I'm thinking about all the pastors we've had recently, almost all of them commented like, man, you guys have a singing church. Pastor Bill Prater, who was here in October at lunch, he was like, you have a singing church. He said, you need to sing more. He's like, you need to sing for like thirty-five minutes every service, you know. Just, just sing. You got a singing church, and man, I was praising the Lord for that. But let's be honest, there's probably some times when we're distracted during that worship time. Hey, what distracts you during the preaching? Oh, listen, I'll be, I'll be honest, and and I don't say this just to be a smart aleck, but I, I know that some messages aren't the best. I get it. There's, listen. There's some services where the pastor is the one who's most excited for the service to get over. Because the pastor's like, oh man, this is horrible. It's like the worst message I've ever preached. And there's times when I think that. And those are the times you'll come, people come up, man, pastor, that's the greatest message you've ever, I've ever heard. And I'm like, wow, I'm a really bad pastor because <laughs> that was horrible, you know, Listen, I know that there's I know that there's times when maybe the message is just spot on for you or maybe there's times when it's just not as as good as maybe you'd like it in your area, but can I just say the truth that the devil will do anything to distract you from the word of God. And it can be a pastor that's preaching, or it can be a testimony that's being shared, or it can be a prayer before the the offering time. The devil would love to do nothing more than to distract you from spending time with God. And that distraction takes place at church, but that distraction is also going to take place in your personal time with the Lord. No wonder that the number one struggle in Christians lives is their personal walk with God. The number one struggle in every believer's life is not uh, uh, some great huge sin out there. No, the number one struggle in every single Christian's life is their struggle with God, meeting with God every day, spending time with him. Why? Because the devil knows. The devil knows that if I can stop you and distract you from meeting with God, I can literally hinder your Christianity. And the devil knows that. And so I want to ask you, what is it in your life that stops you or distracts you from meeting with with Jesus? What is it that stops you from spending time with him in the morning or at night? What is it that stops you or distracts you in a church service? Well, I, I just can't wait till we get to lunch. Hey, lunch is coming. It's coming. But listen, the word of God is more important than lunch. And I know pastor can go long sometimes. I'm trying to work on it. I really am. But can I just tell you right now that the devil would love to use that to distract you. He'd love to use it to distract me. And well, so-and-so didn't shake my hand. The the devil wants to use that to distract you from the, the message of the word of God. Well, that song wasn't my favorite. Distraction sent from the devil. Well, that person, they do this and they do that. Can I just tell you all of those things are just distractions that the devil's trying to use to stop you and I from meeting with God. Can I just encourage you Don't fall into his trap. Man, don't fall into it. Every time you have an opportunity to meet with the Lord, whether that's in the morning or whether it's at church on a Sunday or whenever that is, whenever you have an opportunity to be in the presence of God, hey, be eager about that. Be excited about that. Move with haste to be in the presence of God. We see the shepherds doing that here. They had this this excitement, this uh, uh, undistracted eagerness but I want you to see that we close out this morning by looking at the shepherds and seeing what I've called an uncontainable excitement. If you go and you read verse 17 through 20, and we won't read it for time's sake, but the Bible says in verse number 20 that the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. Excuse me, you know what? After they saw Jesus, they go into that stable, into that, that little cave, and they meet with Mary. And they, I, I, no, no doubt, Mary and Joseph were like, Who are you? Why are you here? You know, because they didn't, there wasn't a birth announcement made. You know, they hadn't posted on Facebook yet. It wasn't like, hey, come on up and see Mary. She's healthy, healthy baby, healthy mom, come on see us, bring us coffee. You know, that wasn't there. How do you know about this? And perhaps one of the shepherds is like, is the craziest thing. We're just going through our routine and then that shepherd begins to recount the entire uh, story and scenario and Mary's going, huh. wow. The Bible says that Mary pondered all these things in her heart. Man, Mary is just blown away. She's again at this place like, this is amazing. And after all of that, You know what the shepherds do? They leave and they go everywhere telling about their experience, telling their story, telling about the Messiah, talking about Mary and Joseph, talking about the angel and the multitude of angels. And here you have these shepherds, they're going abroad, telling everybody their experience that led them to the Messiah. Man, they just couldn't contain that the Messiah had been born. I mean, they had heard the news from the angel, and now they had met him, and now we're going to go tell people. And you know what? People would believe them. One historian said of shepherds, even though they were not liked, said shepherds were credible. Shepherds are not easily fooled. They are practical men of the world who have little to do with fantasy. If they said that they saw angels and went and found the Messiah, then you could believe them. God selected hard-working men to be the first witnesses that his, his son had come into the world. Man, God, God chose somebody. The shepherds, you know why? Because they weren't, they weren't gonna go around lying about things. Can I say it this way? They were gonna go and have a life that matched what they said. That's the testimony of the shepherds. Hey, they're not involved in all this uh, uh, make-believe stuff. No, they they saw it, and now they're recounting it to us just as they saw it. Incredible men. They go, and we read that people began to wonder at their news, and then the shepherds are seen just headed back to the hills. Man, you know what they're doing? They're going back to their life. But what are they doing? They're going back changed. Man, they're going back glorifying God and praising God for all that they had seen and all that they had heard and everything that was done in their life. Man, what an amazing night. <clears throat> Shepherds have an amazing night. I mean, they witnessed angels singing, praising God. They, they witnessed the declaration of his birth. Then they saw Jesus and no doubt stood in amazement at all the events that transpired before them that night, and then when it's all said and done, they couldn't contain it. Their excitement didn't go down. It went up. Why? We met the Messiah. Man, their energy level, their excitement increased. Why? Man, it's true. They went out and people knew, man, there's something's different about them. Why? Because they had found the King of Kings and the Lord of lords. Can I just tell you this morning that if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, their story does not minimize your story. You see, when you and I put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, we receive the exact same thing that the shepherds did. Oh, the angel doesn't come and appear, but the word of God does. And you know Christ, if you know Jesus today, you know him because somebody was a messenger sent from God. That's what the angels were. They were messengers sent from God and somebody a messenger sent from God came to you at work or came to you at church or came to you at school or knocked on your door or came to your residence or, I mean, your your place of work. There's somebody came to you and said, can I show you from God's word how you can know the Messiah, how you can know the King? And man, maybe there on that day, you begin to realize your need and you begin to look and think, well, I know I'm a sinner and I, I know there's some emptiness. And after a few moments or maybe after a few years, you bowed your Head and you say, God, I know I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to be my Savior, and, and you prayed a prayer and put your faith and your trust wholly in God alone. Can I tell you, you had the exact same experience as the shepherds? So, why can't we get excited about it? I did a little bit of research and I wanted to do a whole message on it, but just one time. You think about the emotional roller coaster the shepherds were on. I just went through very quickly. These are all the emotions that I see the shepherds facing. Boredom, right? flocks, oh. Fear, ah, angel. Excitement, whoa, the news. Curiosity, let's check it out. Joy, wow, it's true. It is joy to all people. Praise, praise and glory, glorifying the Lord. And then their desire to tell others. I look at this, that's every single person's salvation experience. Right? You're going through life just bored. Before you meet Christ, people are like, is this all there is to life? Man, is this it? And then someone comes and they tell you you're a sinner. And you're going to go to hell without Jesus. There's some fear. Man, really? I'm a sinner and I deserve hell? Man, I don't want to spend eternity in hell. And then there's the excitement, because excitement says, hey, but Jesus came. Really? Man, I can have forgiveness, curiosity. Tell me more. Tell me more of this great thing. And then you receive the Lord, and what's there? Joy. Man, praise God. I'm excited. There's joy, and then there's praise. I'm glorifying the Lord. And then most people, right after they get saved, right after they trust Christ, you know what comes into their life? The desire to tell others. Man, my brother needs this. Man, my mom and dad need this. Man, I got some coworkers that need this. Boy, I'm excited. And then a year goes by, and two years go by, and three years go by, and we go, yeah, that was a cool night. It's all right. Yeah, some God, yeah someone else will experience it. And with our age, just like we do in physical, that eagerness and that energy and that excitement just decreases. And I just want to tell you tonight, for those of you that have known Jesus Christ and you know him as your Savior, don't let your older spirituality, being older spiritually, don't let that take away your excitement of knowing Jesus. And if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, your excitement should not dissipate with age. It shouldn't go away. Can I tell you, as we close, it's a good thing to know the Lord. Listen, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, it's a good thing to know his peace, the peace with God and the peace of God. It's a good thing to know the joy that's talked about. It's a good thing to know that your sins are forgiven. It's a good thing to know that you have mercies new every day and blessings upon you and God's kindness in your life. Can I tell you, it's a good thing to have conviction. It's a good thing for the Holy Spirit of God to come to you and say, nope, don't go there. Nope, don't think that. Nope, let's not. That's a good thing. Can I tell you, it's a good thing that you have his word. There's some places in the world right now where people can't open the Bible and do this. But you and I have the privilege. It's a good thing. Hey, it's a good thing to belong to the Lord. It's a good thing to know that you'll spend eternity in heaven. And the fact of the matter is that Jesus Christ brings joy into my life. And he desires that I should share that joy with others. It was Paul said it this way, a familiar verse, Romans 1:16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. The disciples, they, in Acts chapter number 4, they said to the rulers, we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Hey, God has changed my life and I've got to tell people about it. But the sad truth is that along the way, many Christians lose their excitement of belonging to God. We lose the mindset that we read about in these shepherds. My friend, this shouldn't be the case. You should be excited about belonging to the Lord today just like you were back then. When I read about the count of the shepherds, I find myself being challenged to bottle it up. What do you mean, Pastor? I want some of their excitement lived out in my life this week. Man, their experience is the same one I had. Oh, it was done a little bit differently, but God still saved me the same way he saved them through the precious work of Jesus Christ. The shepherds met Jesus and they wanted the world to know him. So this week, you've met Jesus. You know him as your savior. Will those you rub shoulders with know it? Will you speak to maybe that cashier this week, that drive up window worker? Will you speak to those friends this week, that loved one that you meet with during Christmas? And will you share with them the excitement of knowing Jesus? Let's not be guilty of losing our excitement belonging to Him. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you would like further information about our church, please visit Moses Lake Baptist Church.